by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. John 14, 12, Jesus says something truly remarkable, something unbelievable really, something I believe that is hard for us to grasp, but if we get a hold of it, I believe it'll change the way we see the authority that we have as believers. John 14, 12, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, and what else would Jesus tell us? He is the truth, right? He said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to the Father. And what he meant by that, it was about right before he left, he's meaning, I'm going to the Father. I'm going to be at the right hand of God making intercession for you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be believing that for, the, for my best in your life. And he's also saying that when I go, it's better for you to go because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised me from the dead is going to dwell in your mortal bodies, and you're going to be able to do the same works that I do if you have the faith, if you believe. Isn't that what the condition is? It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes. Do you believe that you can do the same works that Jesus did? Well, I don't think you get there overnight. I don't think that kind of faith comes overnight, but in a, in a tight, loving relationship with Jesus where you get so close that you begin to actually take him at his word, even if it's miraculous. What he's asking of you. In the garden, wasn't that God's intention to give us authority? He created the heavens and the earth, and he said, here, you take care of the earth. You rule over it. Genesis 1.28 in the Amplified, it says, God blessed them, granting them certain authority. Say Authority. You see, today's message is simply titled, Authority. If we don't know the authority that we have, we certainly won't walk in it. But we've been given certain authority. You see, God wanted us to rule and reign. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subjugate it. Put it in, that means putting it under your power. And rule over or dominate the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. I got a dog, a little weenie dog named Macy. And uh, she can be out in the backyard. But when I come out that back door, she may be sleeping. She may be laying up on the yard furniture or whatever. But when I come out that back door... She jumps up, stands at attention, and then begins to run the perimeter of the fences to show me, I've got it under control, Daddy. She, she's, no, no squirrels in here, Daddy. No birds land on this yard. No moles come through here. I dig it up. And you can come to my backyard and see all the holes. You know, wear an ankle brace. 
her too, but, but she wants me to know that she feels she has authority in our backyard, and she wants to do a good job. And when I come out, she, she, she stands at attention. Now, she, she don't worry about who pays the bills at the house, you see. She's not worried about, you know, if there's food in the refrigerator. Or she, she just understands that a higher authority will take care of those things. But she wants to do a good job with the authority that she has. Does that make sense? And that's what we should do. We serve a higher authority who takes care of the, the universe, but he's asked us to take care of the earth. He's asked us to be his ambassadors, to, to represent him here in the earth. Is everybody following me? We know that God gave Adam and Eve authority, but then sin came and they basically sold their authority to the devil. They lost their authority. But the good news is, is Jesus came and Jesus restored our authority. Jesus, through Jesus, we're recommissioned, so to speak. Now, see, when the when man fell, God didn't lose his authority. He didn't come back to regain his authority on earth. He was still, he's still over the earth, even though this world system is ruled by the devil. The way that, you know, he has authority that we gave him. He has our authority, but he doesn't have God's authority. God has always been over the devil. Don't misconstrue that. But Jesus came back, not only that we may have eternal life, but that we may regain the authority he gave to Adam in the first place. So that we may do what? Rule over the earth. Y'all hear my shoes squeaking? I got some little pads in them. They're making noise. All right, so... We've been recommissioned, if we're believers. Matthew 28, 18, and this is after he had been resurrected. He came back and told his disciples. Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. So when he came back, he, he, he made a show of that devil, and he stripped him of his authority, and he took it back. All authority belongs to who? To Jesus. But he delegates it out to us to carry out his will in this present age. And in verse 19 it says, go therefore. Say therefore. What's therefore? What's therefore therefore? He's saying what, what I previously said, that's why you go. Because I've been given our authority, now you go because of this. Go in my authority. Is he going to send us out without authority? No. He's, he's given us the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but he's not saying, well, just go helpless and, you know, without any power and just see what happens. We know what would happen in that case. The human man, the, the natural man can produce nothing. But the spiritual man, the man who stands in his authority by faith, commands life, commands authority. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, 
teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. So he's with us always. Even in those times we don't feel like we have any authority. Even in those times we're praying and it seems like it's so dry. Uh, maybe God ain't with me right now. No, he is always with you. Where can you go to escape the presence of God, Romans says? Nowhere. He's with, uh, or Psalms, was it 139? So God is with us everywhere. He's, Jesus is with you. His power is there. Sometimes he, he may not let you feel his presence. He's just giving you a little rope to see if you're going to have faith to believe even when you don't feel it. But there's not a time where you command in the name of Jesus that there's not authority in it if there's faith in it. Okay? Is everybody understanding that? <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, this is before his resurrection, Jesus called his 12 disciples to them and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and heal every disease and sickness. Those are three wonderful things that we have authority to do. He, he not only gave that power to the 12, he, he told them to go freely you've received, freely give. He said, he, later he called 72 other disciples and sent them out and gave them this power. And if he's sending us out, I guarantee you, he's given us the power to go. Go, therefore. Amen? We have power to present this gospel. We have this authority and so much more. And we could, you know, I started to make this service about, let's just discuss all the authority that we have in Christ. And we could, you could just go through the Bible, but you're going to have to go through it yourself, you know. There's no shortcuts. You need to see it. You need to believe it for yourself. You need to walk in it. You need to dig into that word. Because Satan, he's not on, he not only loves it when you're ignorant of his devices and the things that he's doing in your life, but he's... Loves it when you're ignorant of what you've been called to be in Christ. He loves for you not to know. He loves to see a weak and a beggarly church, a natural man church. He loves to see a church where there's no faith, there's no spirit of God, just a bunch of people getting together like a social club. He loves that because that benefits him and not the kingdom of God. That makes the kingdom of God look weak and beggarly. Nobody wants to be a part of a weak kingdom. So all of this authority is Jesus's, and all that we've been delegated is delegated to, delegated to us in the name of Jesus. That's where our authority is. Does that make sense? When we say in the name of Jesus, we don't need to take that name lightly. We need to understand the power that it wields, faith in the name of Jesus. That's why we close our prayers in the name of Jesus. It's not in the name of God. It's not my best intentions I'm throwing up. I am, pre I am praying the word of God in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, the name that I've been given to speak, the name that makes the de demons tremble. It's not your name. In fact, there were seven sons of Sceva. <laughs> These... Seven guys, they saw Paul going around laying hands on the sick and them being recovered and, and all these things. And they said, driving out demons, they say, man, we could make some money if we did that. Think of all the demon-possessed people we know. Back then, it was 
pretty bad. It's pretty bad today too, right? All right, think of all the demon-possessed people we know. We can, go, we can go drive them demons out like Paul. We saw how he did it. We can, we, they can pay us for it. We can make money. There's a lot of people today in the name of Jesus just trying to make money on the things of God. But guess what happened? They got this demon-possessed guy, and they cornered him, you know, and got him in this room, and they said, we adjure thee, and they speaking to the demon, we adjure thee to come out of him in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon spoke back to him. He said, now Paul I know, and, and Jesus I know, but who are you? You see, he, they didn't have a relationship. They weren't children of God. They had no personal relationship. They had no faith. They were just throwing out some words. And that demon jumped out of that man and got a hold of that man got a hold of him. Seven people now. He whooped them all. Left them blo bloody and bruised and battered without their clothes on. They were just glad to get out of the room still having their underwear on. I mean, he whooped them. Look. You better know in whom you believe when you go messing with the devil. Because in your natural self, you're no match for the devil. But in your spiritual self and in the name of Jesus, he's no match for you. You have authority over the enemy. But you better be walking in your authority. You better know your authority. You better have faith and you better be walking in the spirit. You know, if you go claiming Jesus and all this stuff and get your life all straight and your house all swept out, cast all the demons out of your life, and then you go back into the world, what you think going to happen? You get back over in the devil's territory, you forgot whom you belong to. He talks you out of all your authority. You have no faith. He's going to come back seven times worse. He's going to try to kill you now. He, he, he didn't mind you so much when you was on his team. But now that you, that you have claimed the name of Jesus, you're his mortal enemy. And he's going to try to take you out. You know, spiritual warfare is real. And the things that we're talking about are vitally important. Not just to your success in the kingdom of God, but to your survival. We're playing life, this is life and death. The, the devil's not playing for marbles, you understand. This is life and death. So we better be serious about learning who we are in Christ. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. See, everything we do, we need to be in cognizant of who I belong to. You see, everything that we do is in the name of Jesus. Everything, to be in the name of Jesus, to have faith in it, there must be a trust between me and Jesus. We must be alignment of our wills. I must want what he wants. Because I'm not going to come in the name and claim that, you know, some sin that I want for myself, for my natural self, there's no, you can't have faith in something God hadn't promised. So there must be an alignment of our wills. You might say it like this. If you want to walk in power, you need two things. You need faith, and you need faithfulness. 
That's how you build your faith. That's how you grow as a person of God. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God, understanding who you are, getting yourself all built up in the things of God, and then faithfulness proves that you're doing that. Faithfulness is the, the, the fruit of what's in your heart. And as you're faithful, as you make good habits, and, and just coming to church, for example. I mean, it, just think if you weren't here today. Okay, uh, you know, my bunions was hurting or, or this or that. And I'm going to sleep late today because I, I stayed up late last night. You know, that's some people's excuse not to come to church because they stayed up too late the night before. Well, who, who caused you to stay up so late? What was you doing? Playing the Xbox? But think if you weren't here today and you weren't getting this message. That You probably already know this message. I know you do, most of you. But we have to continually feed our souls. And God has sent me to be the shepherd of this flock. And he is feeding me what you need for this week. And if you miss your feeding this week, you're going to be behind. You know, we're not playing games, folks. We're not. This is life or death. This is blessing or cursing. In your life. Some think that they can come to church once, every, once a month and that's just keeping them in good standing with the church. Just enough to say I'm Christian, you know. You're just setting yourself up for a great fall from the enemy. He's just trying to, to continue to, to separate you from the herd. So he can get you out there like a, a lost little wildebeest and the, the lions can trample on you. Sorry, I'm getting so serious this morning, but I guess that's where we're going. Satan loves us to be ignorant of his devices. So we need faith and faithfulness. Not only for your well-being, but for our well-being. I don't know where that came from. But when you miss, when you are not faithful, when you don't do what God's asking you to do, it affects me. It affects everybody on your row. We're, we're in this together. God, that's the way God designed it. So think about that. Let's be faithful. Faith, have faith and be faithful. I wrote this. Faithfulness authorizes authority. In other words, when God sees that he can trust you with authority, he will give you authority. And there's no better way for him to know that you're worthy to, to be trusted is than you, by your faithfulness. So faith authorizes your authority, and faith then commands according to your authority. What I'm saying is, faith is not beggarly. If I'm a police officer and I see somebody jaywalking and I know it's my job to stop them from jaywalking, I'm not going to say, oh, he's jaywalking and get on the phone and call the President of the United States and said, we have some jaywalkers down here. Can you do something? Please, please. They're about to get run over. No, what's he going to do? He knows he's been given the authority to, to say, hey, get back on the sidewalk. 
No jaywalking. He's going to command according to his authority. But many of us, including myself, when we're not understanding the ways of God, we feel an attack from the enemy and we start begging God, God, please, or my finances, God, please, please, please. And we're begging God, begging God, begging God for things that he's already given us the authority to command. And it's like, it's like the opposite of faith. I've given you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I've given you authority to lay hands on the sick. Why are you begging me? You can't beg God for something he's already done for you. If the authority is there, then we need to walk in the authority that he's given us. Begging him to do something he's already done is making him think, well, they don't have any faith. We do, we beg God too much. It'd be like as a kid, please, Daddy, please, you're going to give me something to eat tonight? Please, you know what, by 6 o'clock I'm going to be hungry. Please, Dad, would you please give me something to eat? He's like, son, have I ever not fed you? You're hurting my feelings. You know I, I, I provide a supper for you every day. I'm not going to let you go hungry. So faith commands according to to its authority. Matthew eleven twenty two gives us a beautiful picture of this. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says who does who does God expect to speak to the mountain the person he gives authority to that's a great answer okay if if there's something coming against your life whether it be sickness poverty or whatever and he's given you authority by the promises of God and you go and beg, God, please, 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 God. He's going to say, son, you got to learn. You're, you, you, maybe when you're a baby Christian, he'll help you out. But he is trying to get us to stop being milk fed. He's trying to get us to stand in the authority that Jesus gave his life to reinstate to us. And he is saying, you command, you say to the mountain." He showed the disciples when he said to the, to the fig tree and caused it to wither. If you have faith as the size of a mustard seed and you say, and you say, you command. But you must not doubt in your heart. You must believe the things that you say will be done. That's because you're trusting in the authority. You're trusting in the, and the authority is the word of God. That is your authority. You speak the word of God. You have no authority to say, in the name of Jesus, somebody leave a, a Corvette in my driveway. I mean, that's how faith, you know, faith circles have run for some time now, you know. 
But there's no authority in that because there's, it's, it's not backed up by the word of God or the promises of God or the authority given by God. The authority given by God is according to his will in the earth. According, you know when I prayed earlier that, that we would live out the perfect will of God, not just the acceptable. God gives us authority to live out his perfect will in our life. And really that's what we all desire. Did Jesus ask the Father to calm the storm? Or did he stand in the front of the boat and said, peace, be still? Did he speak to the storm? Does he set an example for his disciples? When he was at the Lazarus' tomb, did he say, Father? He did pray. He said, Father, I'm praying this for their benefit <laughs> so that they can have faith. But me and you've already talked. I already know my authority. And then he say, Father, send him out in Jesus, in my name. No, he said, Lazarus, come forth. He spoke to Lazarus. Speak to these issues in the name of Jesus. Just got to understand the authority we've been given. Stop begging for things he's already given us the authority to accomplish as believers. But in saying this, let me say we must act humbly and respectfully as those that are also under authority. I'm glad we have this authority, but I must not let my head get big because of this authority. Remember why Jesus was so awed of the Roman centurion's faith is because he understood. He said, I'm a man under authority. And I got to do what they say. But I'm also a man with authority. They got to do what I say. So he understood the structure of authority. So we must not get big heads and say, I don't need God. I got my own authority, this and all that. That's not the way authority works. And that's not the way God's family is supposed to behave. You know, there's faith. People have named it and claimed it and, and uh just made people uncomfortable with their brashness and so forth. If you're brash, if you're brass and, and 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 courageous and everything, be so against what you're speaking against, but not against other people, and and not like you have all this authority on your own. Be respectful. The Bible says in one place that the archangel, even the archangel Michael did not bring railing accusations against the devil when they disputed over the body of Moses. So at one point, devil, the devil and Michael were disputing about the body of Moses, what they were going to do with it or something. I don't know what they were disputing. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he said even Michael, who has all of this authority, the, the archangel, the head, head angel in all of heaven, he did not bring railing accusations. He didn't call the devil names. I've been guilty of that. I've been boastful and proud about, you know, when I was a baby Christian, I would, I'd get into it with the devil and call him names and all that kind of stuff. But that's not becoming of the family of God. Even God's family doesn't even do that to the devil. So how much more are we ought to be humble and polite with our authority? We speak to these things. You don't see Jesus jumping up and cussing people out and wanting to fight, you know. But he walked in total authority and some people 
including myself. These are things that I'm just sharing with you, okay? In your faith walk, as you grow in faith, uh, you learn. I used to say, okay, God, your word says it, and I demand it. Right? And the Bible does say, remind him of his word, that you may, you know, discuss it. <laughs> bring, bring to remembrance the words I've said. But that's for you, so that you can, you know, you can build your faith. And, you, and, and nowhere in the Bible do I see where it says, be disrespectful to our God. How crazy it must have I been to yell at God. Even if I didn't understand, even if I, I believed in faith for something that didn't come to pass, and here I'm screaming at God that he didn't do his part. And there's got to be a balance in here. That's not the behavior that a born-again believer full of the love of God should show. We should be humble servants of God, understanding authority, walking in authority, but not being disrespectful and, and proud and abusive in our wielding of that authority. God is not a genie in a bottle. We do not command God. We serve God. He does not serve us. You must understand that. This authority is for us to serve God, not for Him to serve us. It's for His will to be done, not our will to be done. It's wonderful to be able to walk in this authority, undeserved authority, simply because we confess Christ. But we must be humble and submissive to God's authority to get it. He only trusts us as far as He can trust us. He doesn't want us acting like spoiled brats when we don't get our way. When I was working at the job that I had before I became pastor, I worked in a cubicle, as you remember, and I was an inside salesman. And I had, uh, you know, several customers, but my biggest customer was a multi-million-dollar-a-year sales account. I mean, it could be years, fifteen, sixteen million dollars of profit for our company big company and uh i was the representative i couldn't believe it you know the authority that our leadership in the company granted me to set their price levels to speak with their purchasing head purchasing agents to go and meet with these people in philadelphia and places and from the let the, what would you say, just the authority that I had to make the decisions about this count was staggering. And somewhere along the line, a new thing came up. You know, the Internet became bigger and bigger, and, and they were doing the thing called reverse auctions. And that's where the customer says what he wants to buy, and then all the, the salespeople, they bid how low they'll go. They don't bid how high they pay for something. They bid how low they'll sell something. So that's why it's called a reverse auction. Oh, it's a bloodbath. And we, we, were, we were a nice-sized distributor, but we weren't the biggest distributor by any means. And so, you know, we don't have the buying power that some of these people had. So I, so I, was, I was studying for this. How does this work? I was worried about the computer aspects of it and, and not only how much. I, I had to know what our lowest price would be and it was you know several lots of items and I had a I had each line item itemized and I had each lot 
this is as low as we can go, and I knew what my lowest percentage of gross profit could be on each one for us to make any money. I knew where I had to quit, right? At least where I thought we had to quit. And so the day came, I was all nervous. I had a, they set me up a computer in a totally different room so I had nobody around me so I could concentrate. And I set the computer up in there. It was about an hour before the, the reverse auction, and I'm walking around nervous, you know. And guess what happens? The president of our company, he comes walking in. I'm in this room by myself. I've got this whole building by myself. And he comes walking in and says, I'm going to sit with you today. Okay, yes, sir. I mean, what are you going to say? And he's already an intimidating fella in the first place. He, 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 this is a privately owned company. He owns the company. I said, yes, sir. And uh, so when the auction started, you go on the clock, and you start bidding, and you start going down as you see other people. You don't know what they're bidding, but you can see when you're not winning anymore. So you just have to go lower. And so we're going lower and lower. And right off the bat, we, you know, it's, it's like uh, it doesn't look like we're going to win we don't have a chance against these bigger distributors, you know. And so we finally got to that point where, you know, he's just watching. And we got to the point where we couldn't go any lower. And I said, sir, I said, I guess, you know, we're not going to get this because if we go any lower, we won't make any money or whatever. He said, go another percent. Now, I could have stood up and said, you know, look, I'm the one that's done all the work on this. I know exactly where we need to stop because, you know, I'm in charge of this account. I have authority over this account. This is going to be me doing the work, making all the sales and not making any money. But how do I say that to the boss, the man who owns the company? So I said, yes, sir. I don't know what we're going to do. We went in there, still wasn't enough. He said, go another percent. I said, sir, we're, I don't know how we're going to do this. We're, not, we're going to lose money at this point. He said, just go another percent. He didn't explain to me. He told me what to do. We didn't win all the bid, but we won one portion of the bid, if I remember correctly, and we lost money every time we sold it. We sold it, gave it to him for free, and paid, you know, we lost money on it. Paid for shipping and everything. But who am I to say to the owner of the company, why have you done it such? It is his company. I, and, you know, we don't know everything. I don't know if this man, through gaining this large chunk of business, even though it looks like on paper that we're losing money, we don't know that he's getting rebates from the manufacturers for selling this large amount. We don't know if he's doing it just because it make, gives us more market share for the overall good of the company so that other people that are selling these same items can get the discounts. You see, there's a lot of things that we don't know. But we must know this, that God owns the company, and God is sovereign, and God is in charge, and we say, yes, sir. If he's given us authority to do something and we speak it and he overrules, guess what? We cannot be like spoiled brats and say, yeah, well, this faith stuff doesn't work. We cannot do that. We have to believe that God has a bigger plan. He knows what he's doing. He's in charge. F.F. Bosworth said, Faith begins where the will of God is known. 
Have you ever heard that? That's, that's a good statement. Your faith begins when you know what God's will is. So while we know God's general will, we know that God loves us. God wants us to be prosperous. We know God wants us to be healthy. We see God's will, His general will in the Bible. While we know that, we don't know God's specific will. Most of us, I would dare say, well, we just want the general will of God. We just want to be prosperous. We want to be healthy. We, want, we don't want any of our loved ones to die. We want everything to go nice for us. We, we want to be comfortable. But what if God's specific will for your life may involve some suffering? that produces growth and character? What if God's specific will for your life may not be what you wanted it to be, but you will find out later that it's what you needed it to be? What if God sees the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning? What if he knows all things? And we just want comfort. Let's just be honest. I would just love to live out God's general will. But God says there's his, his good will and his perfect will. And those of us who want to live God's perfect will, our faith grows when we know where the will of God is. We can have faith according to his promises in the word of God, the general promises. But what if we sought him about the important things of our life? And he spoke to us personally. You have general Christians, but you have personal Christians who know God's perfect will for their life. You can believe God for the general promises too, but, but some people only want that. They don't, they don't, they're scared that God is going to ask too much of them or whatever. I, I didn't, I had saw this, I didn't think I was going to, Maybe you can put it up here. Hebrews chapter 11. I wasn't going to share this. Didn't think we'd have time, but now that we're here. Hebrews 11, verse 32. It's talking about faith. The whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is talking about faith. And the writer of Hebrews says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. These were powerful people, you understand, by faith. And we all want that. We want that power that nothing can touch us. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle, and they put whole armies to flight. Amen. Women received their loved ones back again from the dead. Strong faith. And it produced wonderful results. Then it says, but others. And you'll see that it's talking about other faithful Christians, maybe even stronger Christians. 
that would allow their life to be used for God's plan, for his specific will. Others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. What do you think they're doing? They count the treasures of heaven more important than the treasures of earth. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. You say, that couldn't be the will of God. They weren't, they weren't living according to the will of God. They're supposed to be prosperous and healthy and overcome. But what if God needs certain people, maybe you at times, to be willing to suffer for the gospel's sake, to be willing to lay down your life for a more important cause. Some died by stoning. Others were sawn in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Boy, that doesn't sound like the gospel message we hear much, does it? They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains and hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people, all these, both the ones that overcome and drove out armies and the ones that got killed and sawn in half, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. None of them received all that God had promised on this side. I'm not saying we should all just say, God, just use me, let me be martyred. I'm not saying we should pray for any of these things be sawn in half or to be jeered at. Nobody wants that. We want God's good. We want the good things, the promises, the blessings of God in our life, and he wants to give it to us. But these heroes of faith were those willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it in faith. I'm willing to suffer for your kingdom if need be. And they were the ones that didn't just satisfy, weren't just satisfied with God's general will that we all be blessed because the, the kingdom of God won't expand like that. It's going to take those who are willing to suffer for it at some point. Those who are willing to say, okay, God, I know you won't give me more than I can handle. I'm going to pray each step. I'm not just going to accept what, you know, just what I see on the surface. I'm willing to go deeper. I'm willing to walk hand in hand with you no matter what comes. I'm with you, and I want to know your will each step of the way. And some of us who just believe in for all good things to happen in this world and no suffering is part of our experience, well, then we get so disappointed when something happens. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. Sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a reverse faith message, but I'm not. I'm saying, let God overrule. Let God reign. Let him do with your life what he wills. Say, not my will, God, but thy will be done. No matter what may come. And then when you suffer, then when you go through times, we all will. We won't be blaming God. And saying your faith, that faith stuff doesn't work. No, he'll give you the faith to endure. To come out the other side victorious. 
Faith begins where the will of God is known. You want to build your faith? Not only search the scriptures, but draw near to Jesus in prayer. and Discover his specifics for your life. True disciples' success is found in the details. A believer, just a believer, he can just hope for the best and just want what they want. But a true disciple's success is found in the details of what God wants. And we must not bend someone else's promises in the Bible to make them fit our own. God has, has a specific will for you. There's certain things that we see or promises of God, but there are certain things that the Bible doesn't tell you where to get a job or where, who to marry or so, so forth. So you're going to have to get into the specifics in, in prayer with God to live out God's will for your life. And I hope I hadn't scared you to say we're all going to be suffering. In fact, this will make sense of any suffering that you do have and avoid most of the suffering that you would incur because of your lack of faith. If that makes sense. Bottom line, find out what God wants to do and do it. Take the pressure off of yourself to stop making all these decisions on your own. I wrote this and we'll close. The details of God's will for your life, your plan for greatness, will only be heard in a whisper, in a still, small voice, as in the course of your seeking, you draw near enough to hear Jesus' heartbeat. Only in the pursuit of knowing him will you find yourself and the courage and faith to live the best you. The only shortcut to greatness is through the veil. You must go into the Holy of Holies and not, not live outside like the masses, not be like the ones who are scared to go up on the mountain to meet with God. Your best you is only found in Christ. doesn't matter your physical attributes or your mental capability. Anybody can simply say, here I am, God, use me. Not my will, but thine be done. And we see that expressed in so many of your lives, Terry and Patricia. They simply said, here I am, God, use me. And they made themselves invaluable in this church by simple obedience to God's will for their life. Even when, I'm sure, sometimes it was hard. Sometimes you don't want to do, you don't want to clean the church. You know, I don't want to get up and vacuum. I don't want to do this or that. But God, your will be done. And there's a certain joy that we find in obedience. A certain peace that we find in walking so close with the Lord. It keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thanks for 
for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Thank you.